0: Transit Podcast. I am your host, Lucas Ferreira. In this episode, I sat down with Don Spellman, who's the head coach for the Iowa City Eels in Iowa City, Iowa. Don has been a part of Iowa Swimming as a swimmer and a coach for a long time, and has been deeply involved with the governance side of the sport. He served as a delegate to the USA Swimming Convention for over 10 times in the course of 20 years. And, whenever a convention, he runs a non-official karaoke at dive bars committee. If you talk to anyone who knows Don, they'll tell you he's known for pulling no punches and apologizing for nothing. And at times, this interview is no different. Don has got a deep passion for the sport and he does not shy away from letting everyone know whenever he feels we could be doing things better in the sport. This is another wide ranging conversation, which I think has quite a few lessons and tips other coaches out there could learn and benefit from. So, here's another episode of the Swim Coaching Transit podcast Unfiltered with Don Spellman. All right, Don, thanks for taking the time to sit down. No problem. Uh, We'd like to go ahead and get started. So, uh, you've been. Head coach of Iowa City, Iowa Eagles. Not to date you, but for uh, how long right now?
1: Uh, I took over as head coach on an interim basis, and in, uh, the f- would have been fall of 1998.
0: All right, and About that like was that. actually your first job in coaching,
1: correct? Uh, no, um, I was an assistant coach uh, before that. Uh, uh, I helped out with the Perry Summer Swim Team, uh, just seasonal stuff. While I was, I was. Still in high school, and a little bit in college when I lived at home one summer, and then uh, I turned that into uh, assistant coaching job with the Iowa City Eels, starting in, the uh, been summer of '95, and so I yeah I was I was an age group coach until 1998.
0: Okay, so perhaps uh, do a better job on my end, uh, like tr- try try to go uh, in order, then uh, kind of just uh, give us a little bit of a path to kind of the this this head coaching position at the present moment you swam growing up uh in perry iowa that's
1: correct yep um a little bit of a late bloomer i had allergies and asthma so i did some seasonal is that loud enough uh seasonal swimming um uh starting when i was uh uh would have been 14 um joined des moines swim federation uh when i was 15 but uh Kind of part time. Uh, Bill Saxon was the head coach then, and so I'd do workouts uh, when my parents could get me there, like three to four days a week in Des Moines, and then swim on my own a little bit. So I've always had a little bit of an independent streak. Um, and then uh, was really a student of the sport. Um, you know, got as many VHS tapes and, and magazine articles and everything that I could. Subscription to Swim World magazine, all that stuff, uh, pre-internet. Um, and then, yeah, swam with, uh, so my dad and I, uh, actually were, were some of the people that started, the the high school programs in Perry, Iowa. Uh, so we had a high school team my sophomore and junior year that I was on in Perry. Um, and they still have a girls team. The guys team is now combined with Boone high school. And then, uh, I transferred to Dowling my senior year, mainly to, uh, swim with, uh, some of my teammates from DMSF um and and we were going to try to win a state title uh and I did the math if I if I was on relays with uh Chris and Andy Eckerman I could I, my potential for being a high school all-american went up so <laughs> um those guys were both tremendous swimmers who ended up uh swimming down at Eddie Reese at the University of Texas so uh but yeah I swam Des Moines Swim Federation and Dowling finished up there and then my my coach from uh, Des Moines Swim Federation got an assistant coaching job at UNLV. And at that time, uh, a lot of schools around Midwest were were the swim programs were in trouble or they were getting cut. Um, and I was I was a little bit recruited, uh, a lot of D2 and a couple D1 uh, scholarship uh, offers. And I took a few visits. But then uh, going from uh, Perry, Iowa, to las vegas was eye-opening and (laughs) big changing lifestyle yes and (laughs) and uh mind-blowing and uh the fact bill was there and they had in and out burger kind of kind of sealed the deal with that but uh las vegas in the early 90s was pretty pretty cool place but um so yeah i ended up following bill saxon out to unlv and uh um swam there uh had some injuries kind of got into. uh club coaching early because I – so I redshirted, transferred to Iowa, and then uh, started coaching with the – at the time, the Iowa City Swim Club um, under uh, uh, Ken Doss was the head coach at that time. So um, – and it was just part-time work in the summer, uh, you know, just helping out with the age group team. But I, I really enjoyed the club setting. Um, um, it was a little more intense than summer league, and I, I knew that getting into it, but uh, – I felt, you know, this area, especially the Iowa City area, uh in Corville, uh Johnson County, Iowa was, was having a fifty meter indoor pool was was ripe for, for developing better swimming. And uh and you know, I think uh um you know the the swim club kinda went through a couple coaches uh after Ken Doss and then um Mark Long was there and then I stayed on with Mark and then when Mark left I, I was in grad school by that point and i I was offered the head coaching job uh it was it was basically for a year and a half the the rest of mark's contract Uh, and they're generous enough to give me uh that salary (laughs) (laughs) so yeah and then i i kind of ran with it
0: all right and been here ever since
1: yes um part of that is is I married well, and my my wife uh, is one of the managers of the uh, the NICU at the Children's Hospital. So I always kind of tell people that was our anchor job, and then you know my job uh, was was always kind of the fun thing. But but as the club grew, you know I I I think I I had a lot of good mentors that helped me out. Um, but you know we 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 both are from Iowa, so we're not too far from family here, and and I. I, I like living in Iowa City. I mean, it's a great town, great place to be. Yeah,
0: I've enjoyed It's uh, funny because I've been here many times for me. It's back when I lived in Ames, but uh, I really didn't know Iowa City as much as I have in the past couple of days. <laughs> um, well, You mentioned mentors, so uh, and you already mentioned some names. I don't know if there's anybody else that you uh, like to kind of list off as people that oh, I, help mentor you along the yeah, way.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, as far as Central Zone, I mean um, – I would I would say coaching philosophy wise uh I think Bill Saxon had a big effect on me. Um, I I've, I've recently kind of reconnected the uh, last couple of years with Jim Wrights, my coach from UNLV. Uh just talk about, you know, uh especially like breaststroke sets and, and um you know, structuring workouts. Um I got an early copy of I had a, an actual print copy of dave salo's uh, sprint salo that i inherited from i'm not gonna mention the coach's name but the, the coach didn't think it was worthwhile so he just gave it to me and then i i actually read it and like you know this kind of makes sense um so you know i i've i've talked to salo a little bit uh throughout the years but i've also been lucky that um a lot of my assistant coaches came from from good clubs so I've gotten to know uh, 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 John Deschler and uh, uh, Bill Rose just because I had some assistants that that swam for uh, Mission Viejo. Um, but I'd say Bill Saxton, John Bradley. Uh, I always uh, like to talk to him, especially about dry side issues and and, and how the sport's growing and how the sport changes. Um, you know, and, and I've 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 been lucky. There's there's been a lot of good coaches. Uh, in the area that that um, you know in Iowa, though it's a little bit more transient, but I would say you know Doug Collin is a good resource. He's been in Dubuque for a while and and had had a lot of success uh, with his uh, uh, especially like you know some of his uh, male sprinters like like Jordan Huff. So I gotta I gotta kind of see how Jordan developed from age eleven, twelve uh, all the way through you know uh, being a uh, NCAA All American swimmer here at Iowa. Um, but I've also, you know, I, I, there's people outside of the sport. Uh, you know, I, I had Molly Gable on my team, so I had Dan Gable as a swim parent and, and anybody that knows anything about Olympic sports, Dan's a a legend in the wrestling world. Um, but I think as far as intensity and, and how to, uh, manage people, uh, and practice philosophy, you know, Dan was, um had some pretty good advice you know in in you know I've I've, you know you run into him now even though he's retired but you know it 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 was still having people like that around the community that that I think helped me uh grow as a as a coach as far as relating to uh especially I would say young adults uh you know kids that are going to be in college and get recruited um I needed help with that because I On my way up was was basically you know taking kids from swim lessons to being good 12 and under swimmers and you're also dealing with a lot of growth spurts and 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 a lot of those kids are if you if you work on the technique they're going to make the changes and and be good i think when they get into 14 and over swimming it's it's a little more mental and time management becomes an issue and the rise of social media has 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 changed how we have to deal with athletes so but yeah, I got a few guys I, I bounce a lot of ideas off of. Uh, and I'd say Jared Murphy down at the Woodlands. Uh, um, he's an age group coach down there, but he worked for me for a while, and I, I think I think I was his first coaching job out of college. Uh, with he was his first coaching job with the Eels, so um, you know when he has any success, I always put that on. <laughs> Climbing, good good yes. to see a former Eel doing well. Um, but I, th- I think in the Midwest, especially the Central Zone, um, we've had a lot of good. Uh, people you know kind of come in and out of the zone and i would say like mark hesse from indiana he came out and, and looked at our club uh, uh for two practices kind of helped with with some drills and stuff and and i think he's he's always a good use resource and especially the fact he's with usa swimming that's right helpful yeah.
0: um is there any other uh kind of tools besides you a lot of names a lot of people you talk to is there any other tools you use uh to learn and to uh kind of further uh develop the sport in your practice any books any articles any uh,
1: yeah i mean i would say when i was first getting started swim technique magazine uh and that was one of the only things out there um uh, the ask a newsletter had some good stuff in it back at that point um the the editions of the swim coach's bible i I have both those editions downstairs I, i occasionally look at those from time to time even now um i had both editions of doc councilman's book uh i think i think that was standard practice for anyone <laughs> that got started in the late 80s you had to have McGlisco and councilman you had to have those books um but i think the sports changed a little bit since some of those have have, have I, I think some of the technique stuff is still worthwhile but um We've seen with the suits and the suit era that that kind of changed how people swam. Um, uh, I did have Mike Bottom sign my copy of the three three styles of freestyle DVD when Michigan actually used our pool before NCAA's for for practice, so I, I got that autographed. Um, but I think uh, I, I I try to look at any trends or, or you kind of look at clusters too. You know if if there's if there's a group of of swimmers from a, from a college or a club team that are having success in a few events. I kind of want to see what, what that program is doing. Um, that's hard when, when some of these bigger programs have like, if you have 300 swimmers on it and you're, you're doing, you know, eight, 9,000 yards a day with a lot of kids, you're going to get some good distance swimmers out of that. You might get some kids injured, but um, I think with, with, a lot of that, I try to I try to see who's coaching what and what they're good at and then figure out what they're doing. Um, but I, I would say, uh, you know, the Ritter podcast, I've, I've listened to that, Chris DeSantis' podcast, I, I usually – this is going to sound bad, but I kind of use that uh, when I'm on my treadmill or <laughs> going for a nope. walk. Yeah, doing low aerobic work. Yeah. Um, I find those uh, – uh, seeing what other coaches have to say about the sport. Uh, a lot of it, too, is so much – you know, uh, there's, there's, I've been more interested um, in issues dealing, dealing with the dry side, I think, as I got older. Um, I always – I didn't ignore, like, dry side or the politics of the sport, but I think if if that's not good, the foundation of what – and this is club and nationally. if If you have problems with the dry side of, of an organization, it affects what you're trying to do in the water. And and that's I think true with our national team all the way down to anyone's senior program. You know, if you have if you have inflow, outflow, cash problems with your club, it, it limits what you're able to buy, how many meets you're able to go to, what you're able to pay your assistants. So as I've gotten into head coaching, uh, you know, that's I think like a third of my or third to two thirds of my job now. You know, whereas right. it, when I was an age group coach, that was not, you know, occasional email or conversation with a parent about meat entries was about about all you did for dry side stuff or maybe you know you, you'd suggest bringing a kid on saturday morning instead of you know three days a week you know three days a week plus saturday to work on you know flip turns or starts or you know i think as an age group coach um i wasn't really shielded from it but i, I didn't have to deal with it as much um so i i try to to keep a tab on on how how teams are managed as well
0: right well this kind of brings up a good point here that I wanted to wanted to cover anyway so might as well jump into right now you've been uh very involved with the dry side of swimming uh in Iowa swimming you've been a delegate to uh, the USA swimming convention for uh over 10 years now Mm -hmm. uh I remember back when I was living in Iowa you were uh very clear about uh coaches needing to make sure they have contracts they have stability uh, oh, yeah. you were well and at that time you were the the coach's rep for for Iowa so you have definitely been doing a lot uh in that area uh i don't know if you want to expand a little bit more on that on, on some of the stuff that you that you dealt with are and mostly um i think a lot of coaches and especially younger coaches maybe both younger and and older coaches uh try to shy away from this governance side i think sometimes it's you have a lot to do in your club. Uh, there's it, it, there's just so many hours in the day. It's, it's hard enough uh, to do with the dry side on your club, but you really have not shied away from giving your time to uh, the governance side of the sport, the betterment of the sport in general. So I don't know if you have any advice for other no, coaches.
1: I, that No, I think uh, I learned a little bit of that from from my dad. My dad was uh, president of the Iowa Trial Lawyers Association and president of the Iowa Bar Association, and he's... Uh, one of the founders of the Iowa trial lawyers for Workmen's compensation. So, and he was active in our community, uh, growing up, you know, my dad was, 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 uh, a big part of getting some of the bike trails built in, in central Iowa and connected with our hometown. And he, I mean, he's always told me, you know, if you're going to be involved in something, you try to make everybody around you better. Um, when I was an assistant coach and I, I would say even my, my first year as as the head coach of the Eels, um, I was involved with, with the governance as as you know, I go to some ISI meetings and I'd I'd go into the coaches meetings. Back then we didn't have a call in option, so <laughs> <laughs> you know, you had to actually drive to the meeting. Um, meet people face to face. I think some of that's been lost a little bit. But uh no, you'd ha- you'd have to actually like hammer things out uh face to face and um you know if if at that point if if mark long wasn't going to the meeting i went and if mark was going to the meeting i stayed back and helped you know helped run or just ran all the workouts so um i'd say in that respect i i uh i learned a little bit um uh while, while working under mark long and then uh we uh As Mark moved out and went went into the uh, college profession, I got into the uh, uh, governance side through through the coaching um, association in Iowa. I also went to, you know, I was a member of ASCA at the time. Um, So I'd go to the ASCA convention and then uh i started being a delegate i think my first usa swimming convention was in uh Kissimmee Florida in 2000 it was right out it was actually a little later it was like october because the sydney olympics were were a little later that that september so um so yeah i've been in the governance of sport for a while but i i always thought that you know there's it it, it came from what i thought were some of the pitfalls with swimming in Iowa especially with with how Club swimming and high school swimming, um, there was some friction there, and how those two uh, uh, would, I think, hurt opportunities for athletes. Um, as many of you probably knew, we 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 used to have time finals for the girls and boys uh, in Iowa, and we, you know, the girls I think have changed to a better format, a prelim final format, because I think. You know, high school swimming should complement what you're actually going to do in college swimming, uh, because many of those girls might pursue that opportunity. Um, The boys, we have two different governing bodies in Iowa, so the boys, I think, improved their venue. They're now at the U of I, which is deeper, faster water, but they're still running a a time finals format, which I don't think is uh, conducive to real fast swimming. I think, um, you know, everybody should share the water at the same point, then then you figure out who you're top eight and then your nine through 16 are and then then you uh, run the finals
0: pretty standard for championship meets overall yeah life.
1: and I, I think you know i i so i got into uh a lot of discussions about that and i got involved with uh i used to help uh run the boys high school state meet when it was at the field house pool um so i did that for a couple of years uh and i enjoyed it i think it was fun i just i thought there's a lot of like little things we could do to make swimming better in iowa and and I still think there's quite a few things we can do to, to get them better too, but but I, I I think one of the big pitfalls was we we, in USA Swimming can I mean this came up when we were trying to get our leap status and you know when they actually started tracking uh, uh, the uh, age group uh, results more right so once that swims database started we we could see that we were as clubs we're doing a pretty good job especially with 1400 girls you know getting them to zones and and triple a and quad a levels uh and then we we they'd all kind of plateau and and a lot of that was you know the high school uh season being in the fall and being time finals was not was not helping these girls go faster in the spring and summers i mean they they'd They'd actually have to work from a deficit. So, um, and I thought too, uh, you know, with with the high schools. So I've I've dealt with like five different high school programs uh, being in the Iowa City area. Um, I've been lucky with with a lot of these coaches, but there's a lot of turnover with with high school coaching. So the consistency locally was was always kind of sketchy because it's not it's not like Ohio and some of these other states where you can be a club coach and a high school coach there's there's some um rules in Iowa that that kind of make it really hard to be a, a full-time club coach and get, and be a high school head coach uh what you'll see is a lot of uh age group or part-time coaches are the local high school coaches and then you know the the guys that uh and girls that run clubs as head coaches kind of just have to do that so um but yeah, they changed a lot of those rules in like the early nineties. So when I came back <clears throat> when I came back into swimming on the coaching side after being an athlete, uh, a lot of the uh, the coaches that were still coaching high school had to make a choice between being a full time club coach or or being a high school coach and doing some other job or um or be or just not coaching high school. I mean there there's a lot of them that, that kinda got out of the sport. So I think there wasn't a big brain drain, but it, it, it it took away a lot of experienced people that that you know I I'd like to see stay around in the state you know I mean it, it we we've had a lot of good coaches come through here on their way up <laughs> you know <laughs> so you you being one um, you know but the, that that's questionable <laughs> yeah the, uh, the the there's some hurdles here that I think you don't have to deal with if you want a, a coaching career in other states and you know to to. To an, even a, like if you're a head age group coach or 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 part time coach, you know three to eight thousand dollars more to to coach some high school or junior high seasons. That's a lot of money, you know. That, to, that makes a difference in yeah, the coaches' I, I uh, think, life. Yeah. I think uh, you know that 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 helps um, um, keep keep talented people around. So
0: yeah, so I guess um, yeah, it's been it's been great to see you. Uh, continue to get involved in trying to better the sport and not just uh worried about your your own team and your own coaching career and i uh, uh, i guess less there for other other coaches to uh perhaps uh, give it their time to do the same if there's any pitfalls around yeah. them um uh, this is this is a question that when you kind of looked at the uh you kind of said we can't spend 30 minutes just on this uh <laughs> do you uh do you have any favorite kind of a failure story uh, along your path uh, that is, that could be something that uh, was a big failure, a big misstep, but that taught you an important lesson at the time. Um, and, or, or something that, I mean, perhaps if you would go back with a different mindset, you would want to change it.
1: Oh yeah. I think, I you know, I think uh, learning from your mistakes is a, is a, uh, a good lesson for any young coach, but I think, I kind of got into the sport just cause I was, I was failing, you know, I, I had, I had some injuries, um, you know, but I, I think, you know, you, you have to, you have to kind of look for opportunities where they, when they come and, uh, you know, looking back, I, I got an early start on coaching because I was injured, you know, and I was, I was, I was having, you know, I was a breaststroker that was having like uh tendinitis in my knees. That's, that's like a punter with a bum toe, you yeah, know. I mean, kind of hard it, to get around. Yeah. So, um, it 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 made me reevaluate training uh, as well. You know, I, I for selfish reasons, I wanted to know why I got injured and why other people could could do more kick sets and not get hurt, or box jumps or whatever. Um, you know, and I I I think it 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 also um, I think being you know, I was, I was really good at breaststroke, but I think that allowed me, I wasn't really good at, at, at other events. Cause I got kind of a late start. So I developed my, my breaststroke, you know, uh, stroke technique and everything else. My IM was decent, but you know, I was like triple A level. I am, uh, when I was 15 and over nothing outstanding, but I, I kind of got to sit around at a lot of meets and watch other people race. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. I think that made me a pretty good distance coach because I I never, you know, coming from my background, I was a 36 kid, so you always had to pitch in uh, around our house. And uh, I never thought it was a burden to to count someone's laps. But, you know, I, looking back, you know, I, I got to see a lot of good swimming just – counting for Andy Ackerman or, or someone else on my, my club team, you know, growing up and, and, you know, I, I hear these kids now, I, I always tell the sprinters, if you're, if you're a sprinter, you're counting for the distance guys and or distance kids. And if you're, if you're, um, if you're a distance person, you're going to stick around and cheer on the sprinters. And, and I think, I think a lot of parents, you have to kind of teach them, you know, the, you, you, the team aspect of swimming and, um, but I think, yeah, I definitely think uh, you know my first uh, my first two years coaching, I was I was probably too concerned with volume, um, just because I think that was the culture that that was in place in the eighties into the early nineties in the U.S. Um, I think Iowa was a little behind the rest of the country, but I, you know, I. I would be worried if I wasn't getting 50 K in a week with, with my senior level kids. Now I think I'm a little more malleable on that. Um, You know, especially if they're swimming events, 200 and under, I I don't think that's the key factor. I do think if you're trying to be a nationally ranked, you know, 1500 swimmer or looking to do open water, then yeah, you, you have to do more than what your high school teams are doing in most cases. And, in, in Iowa. Um and I had uh I had a great assistant. Um he's now the head coach at uh, or one of the uh, coaches at uh Southern Illinois, uh Yvonne Sanchez. Well Yvonne came from uh um Bill Rose's team. So I always, I always thought Yvonne gave out three hundreds like I gave out one hundreds, you know. <laughs> uh, I think he came from this background of, of volume and it I uh, you know, I picked up on that. I think uh, uh I had Will Whaley too that swam a little bit with us uh in for mission Viejo and Will Will was always telling us some of the sets that, that they did there but um you know I think I think there's there's definitely a place for volume but I don't I don't look at that as the the key factor in how I uh uh try to set up a weekly schedule I think it's something I'm 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 taking into account but I want to make sure we get a certain amount in I would also say uh, uh, I've seen, you know, from when I swam till the late '90s, the the importance of kicking and body position. I mean, compared to pulling, we used to do a lot more pull, uh, and I think there's there's still some teams out there that, you know, pulling is a main aspect of of their their workouts. But I think the the paradigm shifted to, to place a lot more importance on kicking and body position. Um, and I've always I'm always trying to figure out dry land, you know. I see this new – you know, people call it CrossFit now, and I'm like, we've been doing that in swimming for a while. We just called it dry land. Um, I, I want to make sure uh, we're getting enough work done on land that complements what we're doing in the water. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm not uh, – it used to be we'd do, you know, 45 minutes to, to an hour of dry land, and then we'd, we'd still swim five, five grand. Um, you know, I don't do that anymore. I, I do – we'll do dry land and then i i usually aim somewhere between 45 and four grand after our dry land days i've I've taken a little bit off some of that's related to our pool time but i just i feel like if you're if you're doing over 5k and intense dry land that 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 might be okay for that night but two days later uh you have to take into account how that athlete's going to react and i I could see you know we needed to switch up what we're doing um with our morning and night schedule with, with how much dry land I was throwing at some of the, especially some of the males. So the girls seem to bounce back a little better from, from dry land work.
0: All right. Um, what would you say was the the best career decision
1: you've made? Uh, well, besides marrying someone with a good job. <laughs> that's the best career. Decision. That's the best. That's a great point. Yeah, <laughs> Any of you out there that can marry up, to, to someone with a good job i'd recommend um you know I, that's hard to say i i think uh i'd make it plural i think the best decisions i've made is i've had some good assistants uh adam osweiler uh, comes to mind um i have a great assistant coach now uh, james davis uh you know young guy um really into uh he swam at emory so he has has a good background there with a with a strong D2 or excuse me D3 program. Um but but you know always always uh looking for technical uh things we could improve upon technically with with the kids we have in the water at at the younger ages. Um I don't know that's 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 a tough one. I I can tell you I think I think one of the better things I did was was before I made a decision I I made sure I got some input from some mentors there's people I think that'll give you bad advice, but there's some people that you can trust. Um, and I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think everybody gets into the sport, uh, uh, looking to make a lot of money, but I think, you know, some of the best advice I got was, you know, you always want to make sure you're making enough money that, that you can, you can live off what you're doing without having to supplement it too much. You know, I think I I think a lot of uh, coaches uh, don't they look at their contract on on too much of a short term basis, especially with parent run clubs, because you you have to have some some money to purchase, you know, items you need and pool time and everything else. Uh, You know, I, I, I see a lot of clubs get drained by just hiring a great coach for two seasons who's only there for a year or two, you know, and and not looking out for the best interest of, of everybody on his staff. But no, I, I, that's a hard question, man. I, I, <laughs> well, I think, you, I think you gave some great answers. I, uh, I, I think there has yeah. been, I, I have been lucky on a few items, but you know, um, I, I'd say one thing I'd learned from too, though, uh, going back to your previous question about failing. I, if I had to do it over again, I would, I would definitely get more things in writing at a younger age. I think, uh, it comes up a lot where where new coaches in this sport who are trying to break in uh, uh, to an area um, need to need to get things in writing in case your aquatics director changes, your board of directors might change, your uh, your relationship with uh, whoever's managing the pool. I would have put more stuff in writing in my early thirties because a lot of things that were kind of st- Kind of told to us at meetings that we'd get done with with either the city or the university. In the in in my early 30s, we're we're wiped away once some people left and and some personalities changed. So, if you can get a contract, don't don't dwell on uh, the incentives as much as as the base salary and and what you want to do in the next two to three years. I think I think there's way too many coaches that get wrapped up in a quadrennial cycle. Well, if you're if you're an age group coach, your lifespan is two years, really. Uh, that's four seasons. Um, so if you can get a contract figured out for for four years, great. But really focus on what you want to get done in the two years, and then you know most clubs I think are are going to offer you that. Coach owned clubs I think that's that's a it's a whole different set of problems there. Um, you know I don't think either model's perfect. If you if you coach at a multi-million-dollar orphanage, your life is probably great, but <laughs> there are no swim teams like that. So I think a lot of people you you have to have uh, some people skills. You have to know what you're you're going to compromise on, and then you have to have some. You have to keep your idealism. You know, you can't you can't constantly uh, compromise on what you want to get done uh, with 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 each group. You you have to set some markers and and see if you can get people to to hit those.
0: Well, I actually I'm I'm so glad I thought about not asking the question uh and I'm so glad I did because there's so many ways that we can go uh here. So, I'm going to start with this because I feel like you you already mentioned quite a few names that you've had as assistant coaches. Um, a lot of those names then uh going on to other positions, full-time coaches in other clubs yeah. and, and moving on. Um, and this is a topic that has recently kind of fascinated me. So uh, how, how do you go about finding your assistant coaches? How do you go about hiring them?
1: Hmm. Um, uh, well, a lot of times it's it's people contacting me. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, Adam Osweiler emailed me, said he was moving to town, uh, had relatives, and mom and dad are in the area. So uh, I got Adam and Jared, you know, contacted me. And so I just brought him in for an interview and and got them working and and both those guys helped out with the local high school teams too so they had uh coaching jobs with the iowa city high school uh uh teams we we've used uh uh like advertising on asca and uh the iowa swimming web pages before to find coaches uh currently the two uh well James Davis swam for me so when he moved back to the area you know I had him as a part-time coach uh when he was in college for a little bit so he's still swimming and then he was helping out with the age group program in the summers just a couple days a week cuz he was interested in it. and then when he graduated he he kind of said he'd like to get into coaching so um I got him lined up with that uh so you yeah, know if you have talented former people that former athletes that are that are uh motivated that 's always a good resource but the the other two uh wage assistants i have uh one I knew um was going to be a student over here, and she grew up in my my hometown uh and her dad was worked for the police department so you know uh came from a good family law and order family <laughs> so you know she contacted me uh or i contacted her about possibly working a few days a week and then the other assistant her mom is a club coach in uh in iowa so when she uh she actually started at a different university when she transferred here i knew she had a little bit of coaching under her belt with her mom so i i, I offered her a position uh, a couple days a week but i think you know you can you can advertise on Asuka and and swim swam and all that um but for the size of club i have you know carrying a staff of of four to six is is kind of normal we don't. We don't need a whole lot more than that. If everybody's working a few days a week, I don't hire. This is going to sound bad, but I don't hire college freshmen because I think they're like they're still figuring out what their schedule is and what their life is, and and um, I, that might change with the junior coaching status, um, that you know in the future. But right now, we, we don't really do a whole lot of that. I, I try to try to get people that are sophomore or or grad students to help out, but no, I think. I'm I'm fortunate in this area that we have a lot of smart people coming to town because of the university and just from from growing up I get to see a lot of these kids swim high school or or they I get to meet them when they're on another club and then you know my my club contacts in Illinois or, or Missouri will call me and say hey, you know this kids coming to town and they're not going to swim, they're looking to do this and and we might pick up on on having them coach a little bit then.
0: All right. And when you when you first bring a an assistant coach into the club, do you have any kind of onboarding plan? Do you have anything that you talk to them, discuss a way a, kind of so, a plan to? So
1: generally, we'll have a meeting, and then I'll have them shadow myself or James for two weeks uh, before we we start giving them shifts, and then after that two week trial, I'll, I'll kind of go over our coaching philosophies, kind of how we do things and especially our pool time. I think <laughs> I think a lot of these uh younger assistants, they base a lot of uh what they want to do and how they do things off of their club and their former clubs pool time or what they did in high school. And I don't, you know, I you have to you have to think on a on a different basis with with what we're doing uh you know, with each group uh, according to our pool time. Uh, right. I think uh, that's kind of. There's other clubs that struggle with that. I know. I know there's clubs that you know they have kids in the water from like seven o'clock till nine at night. Well, it's, that's that's kind of late, you know. So if you're doing that, your your mornings aren't going to look the same as mine. Uh, uh, if you do mornings at all. So I try to go into that and explain why we do things, what our pool times like each season. You know, and our our pool time changes in the spring. So when the high schools are done, we move up to an earlier start with with most of our groups. But I try to be pretty effective on, on getting everybody out the door, you know, before 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night. But, you know, and and I don't want to limit them in their – what they can do. But generally, uh, James and I write the majority of the workouts. Um, if they've been involved with the club for a season or more, we might give them a little more leeway and, and just – well, you know, for instance, if it's one of our like pre-senior groups, I'll give them I'll give them what I want done for 3 grand. And then I'll tell them, you know, I want I want some some turn work or or, you know, we want to do some 50s with some speed tempo stuff here. Um, so I'll give them kind of a a basis and then they they can come up with the last set or two. My my plan in the past though, you know, we had uh when we had 120 at one point we had 128 kids on our team and my plan was if we were going to grow bigger than that, that I'd probably hire a senior coach and, and kind of let them run the senior group and then I could I could move back and kind of work with all the groups, still have an age group coach, um, and then maybe not have so many salaried assistants. But, you know, the, the, the club went through some changes and we had, you know, I'm on my sixth aquatics director with the city of Iowa City, so... Some of the things around our club have changed. So when that happened, you know, I scaled back a little bit and we kind of combined groups. So if you if you come to, a, like, practice tonight, you're going to see me. I'm going to be coaching uh, our senior, our pre-senior, and then our, our um, what we call our waves group, which is kind of the transition into to pre-senior swimming. It's our highest age group, really. So I'll be coaching all three a little bit
0: that's and that's kind of happening at the same time right
1: uh it's staggered uh with the waves coming in a little later but but i will have some help with with the waves like i will have the uh one of the wage assistants will help me with that and then james will kind of run the tenant under group that's that's at the site so you know we 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 make it work um i think uh, in the summer we got a little more time to play with so i don't there's not the overlaps but yeah, there's like a 30 minute overlap from from two groups getting in the water and then the third one joining in. So, you know, we work around it. You know, keep your eyes on on what they're doing. But the master plan for the top two groups is the same. The intervals are a little different. And then the 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 plan for the waves group is is usually uh it they do dry land on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So they're their weeks set up differently. So that workout's different, but it's it's uh, you know, I have enough experience. It doesn't it doesn't bug me. I think if I was, you know, <laughs> if I was twenty two coming right in out of college swimming and had to run that many kids at the same time, it probably probably phase me a little bit. But uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, the kids are good about it, and, and and you know, with with the school year, we are a little more cramped on on pool time because we don't we don't get in the water until six thirty. So, right. You're yeah. in,
0: in one of those situations where the, the high schools get the pool before you do. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of going back just a little bit to that, uh, onboarding process of assistant coaches. Do you have any, any books, any things that kind of you, you're almost making mandatory for them. You kind of mentioned some of the books you, you used, uh, before, do you have anything that you make sure that they all kind of get no, their hands I, on?
1: I got it like a list. Um, both the swim Bibles are on there, uh, uh, from aska Um, I tell them to look at at some of the stuff that, that Mike Bottom has on online now about freestyle, and if they they can't find it, I I tell them you know the the three styles of freestyle and we go over those, but we don't do that much with the age group. I mean that comes into play more with with uh, I would say our our faster 11, 12s and over we start teaching the the three styles of freestyle because really I don't I don't think they're able to do body driven. Uh, much until they're they have some some musculature to to actually drive their body uh i do go over uh uh you know kind of the drills we use uh i used to have a cheat sheet on drills for each group and what what those uh what those drills are working on but um you know as far as uh a lot of it is just you know when they're when they're on deck with us we we try to explain the sets to them and 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 if they have questions, you know, we, we, we make sure we answer them. Um, I do in the summer too, I had one of our wage assistants help me out, uh, with the senior groups. So she learned a lot about, you know, what, what drills are appropriate and what, you know, like using equipment at that level and why we don't use it with, with, uh, the tenant unders. Um, we, we do let our tenant unders use kickboards, uh, but I'd say half the kicking we do with even our senior group is is no board or vertical. saw that this morning yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i i I think body position's a big thing but but the as far as as far as guidance a lot of it we we talk about it at our coaches' meetings and then we go over it with with how we write the sets.
0: do you have coaches' meetings kind of on a regular basis every two months? Every two months, you yeah. kind of get it, Make sure everybody gets together. We
1: used to do it monthly, um, but I think as far as scheduling and getting meets done, we every two months is is pretty adequate now. And James, I, like between James and myself, that we attend most of the meets anyway. Uh, more local meets. If we have, if we have a local meet in Limar or or the Iowa City area, um, and we have over thirty kids going, we'll we'll have one of the other assistants help out too. So. I don't, you know, I don't want any of my coaches to be on deck uh, like 15 hours a day if we can avoid it. You know, I'll do that. I'll suck up the caffeine and and, <laughs> and put myself through that. But I think mentally that just fries your staff. So I try to stagger it. And get get if we're gonna if we're gonna be there for prelim finals and a time final session in between at a state championship meet, I want to make sure everybody gets off deck for at least two hours, gets gets a mental recharge, and gets a lot of times get get out of the pool air, you know, and, and and clean out your sinuses, right? right? yeah.
0: <laughs> Stop coughing. Yep. <laughs> so, uh kind of making a a segue there for another thing. I think you you kind of already mentioned some of the this this concerns here, but uh one of the things I like to talk to people about when I when I sit down for the, for this podcast is uh what I call the dark side of coaching. And and that is uh pretty sure that everybody that gets into coaching get gets into it because they have a passion for the sport they have a passion for uh, working with the kids mm-hmm. uh, but it's not always uh, not always a better roses uh, there's you already mentioned some some issues there in terms of uh, coaches making sure that they're they're getting paid as professionals and make sure they get salaries you kind of just mentioned the uh, the issues with uh, sometimes long deck hours yeah um, do you have any any other uh, kind of uh things you would ha- like to comment on. And I guess most importantly, not, not because of, we're just trying to paint a dark picture here, but again, you already gave some tips in terms of how to make sure coaches prevent that from kind of burning them out. Right. Um,
1: no, I think, I think, I think it's good that we're, we're addressing mental health more. I mean, Michael Phelps and, and Allison Schmidt. Um, uh I can't remember the backstroker, but um, Missy, no the um older one Margaret holzer, okay you know a lot of them talking about their own struggles and some of the stuff they went through i th- I think I think that's good um you know the 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 athletes now we recognize that you know I always thought that that a lot of coaches in swimming acted too much like these football coaches you see in movies uh or or drill sergeants. And I don't think that works with every kid. Um, I think you can be strict without being a bully, you know. Um, but but if you give out 12-100s kick on, on 145, descend one to four, that's not bullying. That's just a hard <laughs> kick set. So I think I think the kids need to recognize, you know, what, you, a lot of times now, especially in the age of social media and the internet, you have to explain why you're doing that. Right. Whereas when I was growing up, we all had a coach, or we heard of a coach, or, or saw it in action when a coach like blew up at a meet and and laid into a kid, or, or if you were at practice, they they just threw you out sets. And you know, you know, I don't I don't like mindless swimming with bad technique. I don't. There's nothing to that, um, but I think mental health and and explaining why you're doing things is a big part of our job now, and it should have it should have always been, but I don't think a lot of people took stock in it. Um, I think I've been critical of ASCA and USA Swimming not recognizing the, the, what I thought was a, a, not, not a rampant, but a too big of an issue with, with, uh, with the sexual abuse and, and, and the fact we had predators in our sport. I mean, I heard, I heard rumors in 2004 about, about Rick Curl and all that stuff going on. And then, you know, it, it kind of took the internet and and some people really driving the issue for for USA swimming to do something about it. Uh and they made mistakes. Um I think they they still have some some mistakes to fix. Uh but I think the the formation of Safe Sport and the the the, the mo- if you can make Safe Sport independent and objective and make sure that that there's a process to get rid of bad coaches, that's that's good. And you know, I don't. I don't see it as a negative that we have a ban list. I think I think that's a positive. Oh, that we, means people are paying attention, and we got people out of here that that we needed to. And I, I can say this: I grew up in. You know, my parents are still Catholic. I had a brother went to Notre Dame. Another brother went to, Loris, uh College and Creighton Law School. I mean, I so I grew up in a Catholic family, and I saw I saw what the the burying problems and moving problems around, did to that institution. And the fact that I was a delegate to a organization that was not taking care of a problem that they should have been addressing, uh, really, really started to drive me nuts. Um, and I, and I can say, you know, I, I think David Burkoff and some others really started to make it a point that, that we had to do something. And then, and, and sadly it took lawsuits and, and a lot of other issues to make USA swimming, you know, fix some of the problems. And we've, We've seen it in Iowa. We've had coaches in Iowa that have been banned, and you know i I knew they were out there. I, I, we knew there were rumors, but I think people were so um, afraid to do anything legally uh, that 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 a lot of problems just kind of festered underneath uh, underneath US, USA Swimming's nose. So, and and I got I got a little angry with Aska because I, I think. I think some of the ASCA leadership knew that these people were out there. In fact, I now know that they did know that, you know, there were there were coaches that were not only bullies but but really pedophiles, and and they were within our ranks. And you know, some of these people did presentations at ASCA, you know, conventions, and I went to those. And I don't, I I if if we're professional, I don't I don't like being associated with that. I, I think. It hurts, it hurts all of us if, if we have people like that in our ranks. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I think there's some growing pains. And I definitely think, like, did we screw up as bad as USA Gymnastics? Obviously not, <laughs> you know. Uh, but that shouldn't be a shield for the problems that we have. We, we, we need to keep addressing that. We need our board of directors to be doing that. And I can tell you that la- when we did finally change our governance model, which which I think needed to be changed – you know, I think it was completely irresponsible for John Leonard to write a letter accusing some people of being lame ducks when we were actually making the, the USA Swimming better by changing the, mod, the, the governance model to get rid of a lot of this baggage on our board of directors. I mean, we had a we had a bloated board of directors that was not getting a lot done that was allowing our CEO and others to make mistakes that hurt our whole organization. Uh, and that trickles down all the way to your LSC. So, you know, I, I think there's definitely a dark side there with with being at conventions so much. I did hear a lot of the chatter, and then I I think it took it took USA Swimming too long to deal with some of it. And and a lot of it, you know, they were just afraid of lawsuits. But you know, if if we're gonna be in the business of of giving cro- coaching credentials out, we ne- we need to be strict about who's in our sport. And, and I think any of those changes that we can do to to make it more professional, I I, I welcome that. I think the the concussion training is good. You know, um, I played a little high school football. I know I got knocked around, <laughs> but uh, I think the more we learn about CTE and the more we can do to to you know make our athletes safer, especially with backstroke finishes and all that. You know, and the more we can make our coaches you know used to be you know you might bump into someone doing backstroke or you know you're swimming outdoors and you're playing ping pong with the lane ropes and you bump into someone you you'd finish the workout with that with 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 that and and right. I, I mean especially when i swam you know i i remember getting knocked into in warm ups and stuff but now you know we we're i think we're smarter about you know taking care of our athletes that way i think but i think a lot of coaches i've fallen into this trap too um I'm I'm always worried about how we're affected with indoor pools because we spend uh, a lot of our time in the Midwest at indoor pools with, I would say, inadequate ventilation at meets that are overcrowded where the chloramines and the air quality are, are hurting us. So, you know, I was originally diagnosed with uh, acid reflux and then I had, I had some issues with my ear. And while they were... Figuring out that I had a cholesteatoma with my ear. Some of this is just being old, too. But um, while they were figuring out some of the other health problems I had, I ended up getting diagnosed with eosinophilic esophagitis, which is basically a condition where your esophagus, uh, uh, esophagus just tightens up because of allergens in the air. Well, the only time I ever get really nailed with it, you know, I've had like ragweed and pollen issues my whole life, but I know to stay indoors and out of that. The only other time it really flares up is indoor season at, at some of these older pools, which you know I know it's aggravating kids asthma, and I know other kids having similar issues. So I think uh, that's something we need to explore. And and I think I think especially board of directors of parent run clubs they have to they have to let coaches like find some balance in their days. Uh, I know a lot of them think that our work is, you know, the two hours we coach in the morning and then the two to three hours we coach at night and then like two weekends a month. But they're not adding in the dry side or the, you know, uh the emails, the fact we gotta take care of suit orders, uh take care of, you know uh, meet entries. Meet entries, uh, contracts with pools. There's two thirds of my job is off the pool deck now. And I think I think a lot of head coaches, you know, it's it's not always a forty our work week, we, you know, I, I told my wife once it'd be really nice if I could just punch a clock, go home <laughs> and, and just sit there. But, you know, the, the the thing is, you know, we we carry our work home with us and we carry it on the road. And I think I think a lot of people need to recognize that. And I've been <laughs> probably probably too vocal with when when we're done with the season and I'm on break, I'm on break. You know, I, I really I try to get out, uh, you know, away from the sport, away from the pool a little bit. Um, and I want my athletes to do it too. You you have, you have parents that, you know, they're, they do meets and stuff like that, but they also look at you as like their, their kid's fitness trainer. And if you are on a vacation for 10 days, that's, it's okay for a kid to take it, you know, a couple of days off of swimming, you can send them some workouts to do on their own too. You know, I've told the parents that, you know, you can, you can swim day, but, but you know, just a week off in in august after the season is not gonna not going affect your kid in, in, in a negative way you're not you don't have another meet till october you can take five six seven days off in in august and be fine and i think the majority of parents are fine about that i just think there, there's it, it's it's the ten percent that that drive you nuts with that kind of stuff but coaches got to look out for them it, there's a lot of parents i think that that you know they're they're interested in their kid being really fast, age ten to twelve, without seeing that that what you're doing at age twelve, you you want to make sure they're fast into high school, and and it's real easy, I think, especially with with girls to to overtrain them at, at a younger age, but I I think we're seeing less of that now, uh, at least in my area, you know I I, th- I think you're you're seeing athletes stay in the sport way longer, uh, and be smarter about how they do it. know i'm friends with tony irvin i think you know he he took a really long break (laughs) but but when tony got back into the sport he got back into it for the right reasons and and mentally i think his his mental health and and his approach to the sport was was you know working well for him at that at his age so
0: right long and and heavy topic there trying to switch gears but uh if you had to give a presentation or or t- say teach a college class on any topic other than swimming, uh what do you think that would be?
1: <laughs> oh man. <laughs> There's so much. Yeah. <laughs> Besides Star Wars? I don't know. I was a I was an English and history major in college. So I was on track to be uh pre-law and then I went to grad school for secondary uh uh, secondary education in english for uh for two years didn't finish got it got coaching I, I don't know i i think uh i have a big interest in like you know new wave music i think uh i love star wars movies i'm, I'm kind of a geek about star wars and collecting star wars toys you get if you, you've seen my basement so. <laughs> um i'm interested in that stuff i'm i'm a little bit of an expert on Bob Dylan. I, I, I really got into Bob Dylan, uh, in college more through just reading poetry and, and, and being an English major. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's a good question. Yeah. I, I do know a lot about the Smiths and Morrissey, <laughs> especially this. Yeah. Week. <laughs> I just, I traveled across, uh, Nebraska and part of Iowa all the way to Denver to, to go see Morrissey this week. But, um, yeah, that'd be a tough one. Yeah. I think I, I just coming from my family um I know quite a bit about Iowa and Iowa history. My wife is uh the great granddaughter of a former Republican governor of Iowa, so Iowa politics has always been interesting in me because i I came from a a trial lawyer I was the son of a trial lawyer, so I was always you know um interested in how politics work in our state. But yeah, I think uh I I've always been a history buff. So, you know, it, it'd probably be something related to, to to history too. Okay. Uh
0: and any any other particular hobbies you have outside swimming?
1: Love to mountain bike. Um if I if I could live in if I could live somewhere with more mountains, I would. Uh but I I I I try to take a lot of time to uh be with family. You know, and, and being in Iowa City, we we have a lot of time with uh uh my brothers uh and my sisters come up for football games. So I, I I'm not a huge football fan. I used to be more of a football fan, but as I as I get older I, I kind of value my Saturday downtime a little more. I don't <laughs> mind going to a few games, but uh I think I think the CTE and and seeing how that affected some people that I knew that played football has kind of diminished how how much I watched that game. But I do enjoy football weekends, uh, as far as tailgating and seeing my family. And I have daughters, so that, that's uh I try to have enough time to, to hang out with them but um no I I I do try to do hiking and mountain biking and um uh I, I've always I've always loved, you know, BMX and mountain biking and, and uh and following cycling. Even though I think cycling had a huge problem with doping, you know, <laughs> obviously through the Lance Armstrong years, so that that diminished how much I like road cycling. But you know, if you if you get a chance to watch, you know, I I still think mountain biking is kind of an extreme sport, especially downhill mountain biking. And and I always tell my athletes if if you know there's consequences to your action, but there's if you're in a sport like that or these these mega ramp skateboarders, there's immediate consequences to your actions. You better be on. Yes. So, you have you have to you have to see how your practice relates to what you do. You know, you're you're lazy on a few flip turns in practice. You're not you're not going to get hurt. Right. Whereas whereas those guys, they screw up one turn, they're they're off. You know, on a on a on a uh, an adventure to the hospital. So, um, but I, I do get out to Colorado quite a bit. Uh, my my family has a vacation house out there. John Bradley's actually dropped by before, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I do, uh, I did enjoy skiing a lot more, but, um, you know, with, with old knees, I, 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 I would enjoy it more if I was younger. I still have some knee issues from, from being a breaststroker, but yeah, I, I, I'm, and I've always been interested in, in alternative music and, uh, you know, shout out to Greg Temple. I, I like Pearl Jam. So, <laughs> so I always, whenever Greg Temple was at a swim meet, I, I tried to, Pearl Jam uh, at our meets over the over the music mix but I I enjoy a lot of stuff. I I think with with my wife too we've we've uh <clears throat> we've gotten into pickleball lately. That's our our new thing. They they made some pickleball courts right near our pool, which is like it's like mini tennis or or big table table tennis where you run around but really, but um that that I think, you know, the the uh, my daughters and I I've played that a couple of times with my wife and, and that's, uh, that's kind of a new hobby that I'm exploring, but, um, I always too, uh, you know, with, with, uh, with our dry land, I always try to experiment on myself first. So if I can do it with a 45 year old body, you know, with a, with a 12 pound med ball, then I think, I think my senior athletes can do something similar. So I always, I always, uh,
0: use yourself as a guinea pig.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, in I think a lot of coaches, you know, I I knew uh, someone that swam for Auburn said the whole team, like, would do the dry land for the first two or three months of the season when Dave Marsh was coaching there. I thought that was a good idea. You know, even the divers were doing the same dry land as the swimmers for the first uh, uh, couple weeks of the season. So, um, you know, I I think some some coaches can learn from that. If you can simplify the movements and – and do them yourself it's something that might enhance your own your own coaching S-
0: especially if you're dealing with like just general athleticism when you first start yeah. that part
1: i mean it's you know your movements in the water you you can translate a lot of them on land but right. you know you always have to think about how you're moving in a vertical plane compared to a horizontal plane in our sport anyway so
0: yeah but which by the way so some of these questions i am asking because i I think it's cool for people to hear what interests of people are a little bit outside of swimming, sure. and, and how how swim coaches can go beyond swim coaching, yeah. uh, even though swim coaching ta- does take a, a large chunk of our time. <laughs> uh, do you do you have a routine? Like with uh, uh, like day to day, do you have like a, I guess it changes with the days you have morning practice and dawn, But do you do you have some sort of uh, standard first thirty minutes to?
1: An hour of your day. That's funny. I was I was discussing this. Uh, so I'm I'm now an empty nester. My my daughters are in college. I'm getting back to having more of a routine. Um, I think uh, if you are coaching and you have a family and you're you're a part of that, um, I always made sure. I, I don't want to say hands on parenting, but I always made sure I was I was a part of the, my kids' day, and I was usually with my wife uh, with her job. Um, when we first had our kids, she was still working nights and getting her master's. So I did a lot of the running to and from school. Um, and then, you know, that, that kind of switched how I acted, uh, with my day, but no, I have, I have a, my Monday, Wednesday, like right now, my Monday, Wednesday, Friday routine is, is pretty set Tuesday, Thursdays. I got a little more free time in the morning. And you know, if the weather holds up, that's sometimes when I can sneak out to the mountain bike trails. Some people golf. I I tend to just grab a mountain bike, but I think, uh, yeah, I think I think you have to set a little bit of a routine and, and with morning practices, <laughs> um, and I think there's some research out here to back me up. I know uh, you you have to like have some downtime and a nap is a good thing. <laughs> um, I appreciate that more being over forty than I than I did in my 30s. I just you know get an extra coffee and jam through the day. Uh, but I I think for me to be, you know, attuned at night and coaching well and able to get all this stuff done on the dry side, I I do need, you know, uh, sleep was a big thing. And I, I, I did a poor job through my thirties sacrificing my sleep. Um, you know, really from when my, my girls were, were born, you know, I went from having a really tight sleep schedule to, to. Trying to get naps whenever I could because we had, we had twin daughters and they <laughs> were awake all night. Um, but that I, I'd say around thirty five, thirty six, I started to address that a little more. I think a lot of uh, coaches, um, they tend to sacrifice their sleep more than they should, and it's okay to have an assistant come in and run your practice if you run down. You know, I've learned too that if if I'm sick, I shouldn't be at the pool getting my kids on uh, my team sick. You know, I, I. I think a lot of coaches uh they'll, they'll they'll fight off um their own health issues and then you know then half their senior group is sick with them so um in the summer my routine's a little more set because our our pool our main practices shift to the morning um but i will i will take some afternoons off here and there uh just you know get out of town and and go to a concert or something with with my family or or Go visit my brother in St. Louis, and my sister in St. Louis. We do we do a lot of uh, stuff like that. But my practice schedule I try to keep somewhat consistent. We do. I will I will say Wednesdays I've backed off a lot on intensity. Um, you know we'll work hard Monday Tuesday, but uh, I started to take this last two years I started to take Wednesday mornings off with my senior group. I let them sleep in that morning, which. You know we have an outdoor pool, so they, you know, then we might get rained out here or there. But I, I just think we need to recharge. If we don't, we don't regroup on Wednesday. We don't look good at meets on Friday and Saturday. So um, now I have to remind the kids that they need to actually use the s- time to recover. Yes, you don't, don't, don't get on your your computer and play games all night. Uh, you know, don't go out till midnight on Tuesday. Go, you know, keep keep your schedule kind of set. And sleep in. don't Don't take, don't take an extra lifeguard shift on Wednesday just because you can. You know, right. if you need to every now and then, that's fine. But, but you know, I have really been preaching like sleep and getting off the screen time because I think that uh, that's going to be an ongoing factor with with how we develop athletes.
0: Right. You kind of already uh, jumped on some uh, workout tenets,es and I don't want to get too specific on it, but uh, I guess more curiosity than anything else what do you use to write your workouts you're uh, i kind of know the answer here but you're uh, some people are template guys excel notebook no. swimming software
1: i'm old school um i tried i tried twice with computer programs uh you know the workout manager i tried that when it first came out um not the dos version <laughs> <laughs> not the ms dos but the one after that uh and i i found myself like changing workouts uh you know i I'd, I'd print it out and then i'd wipe it out you know and and write in a different set so now i i'm i'm more of a a notebook guy um we have workout manager and i i've i've seen that work with with some teams i just think with our team uh you know like this morning we're doing the last set uh 100 crews and then 225s fast with with our senior level uh, it was males this morning because uh, most of our girls are in high school season, but so it was all it was all guys. Um, but one of those one of those guys was a uh, distance swimmer, so I changed, I changed instead of doing the 225s, I changed him to doing a, a 50 pace. So we did I think six rounds of that. Um, I like to have the flexibility there because uh, I think I think each, each athlete's different. and really, if they're gonna get recruited like 15 and over, I'm, I'm training them to get recruited in really four or five events, you know, and really if they're a sprinter, three events, you know, you only swim three individual events and some relays at at the college level. So if you're really good at four or five events, you're going to get noticed. So I try to, I try to gravitate their training towards towards those as the season goes on. Um, I do like to look at other workouts. Um, I still have a, a bunch of old workouts that well so my brother went to Notre Dame and his roommate, uh, a guy by the name of John Godfrey, uh, was on the team there. Well, John got me a printout of what Notre Dame did, like old dot matrix printer. So I still have a folder of that stuff. And I like I like going back and looking what other teams did, you know, at different time periods. Um I got a batch of uh John or workouts downstairs. Uh, I got some Bill Rose ones, especially not so much workouts, but sets that, uh, that Avon Sanchez did, which, which are crazy, but, but, you know, I think if you want to challenge someone and they're a good distance swimmer, I mean, Mission Viejo has a great t- tradition there. Right. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's the sprint salo stuff and, and, you know, and I think, I think a lot of the stuff with us RPT is good, but I, I do think you have to You have to develop a lot of the athlete outside the water for power uh, purposes. And I think uh, USRPT works great with older sprinters uh, who have already, you know, developed all the way to to that peak level that they don't need a bunch of aerobic training. You know, if you're swimming just the 50 and the 100 free and you're over the age of 24 and you're already through a college swim program, you know, you – you could probably benefit from most of the stuff that they're they're doing with USRPT style training. I I do think though you need more than that just just to be at the high end. You know, you obviously need some weights and you need some some uh, a little bit of endurance for the hundred. So right.
0: Uh, and do you um, do you usually write one workout at a time or do you ride weeks at no, a time?
1: I go <clears throat> I go Monday and Tuesday, and then I'll see how they're doing on Tuesday and write right my my wednesday through friday but Wednesday's generally recovery day so and, and i i don't i want to say the whole workout's recovery but the last we'll do more pulling um more longer sets on wednesdays we still do a dry land circuit but the the water work is not power focused so i try to try to back off a little bit on on how much speed and power you do on wednesday and then i'll i'll write thursday and fridays and then how they how they look Thursday night kind of determines what I do Saturday. But a lot of times, like this weekend, we have we have a lot of kids. I'd say about seventy percent of our team is going to a meet. So the ones that aren't going to the meet, I will I'll probably give us uh, a workout between four and five five thousand yards, um, just to kind of keep them on course with with the kids that will be swimming. Because I generally consider if, if we're going to a meet with warm up, racing, and cool down, my my Fourteen overs are going to get in about five grand, right? So yeah. I try to keep everybody somewhere within that if I give them a workout. But you know, then you got to trust that the kid's going to go there and do the workout, and not get in the hot tub twenty minutes early. <laughs> you know, now, if their girlfriend the, show up and different. go off the diving board with them, you know, yeah, I've I've seen that play out before. But you know, that's uh, so, that's just me trusting the coach. I think if they're self motivated, they're going to go get their they're going to go get their stuff done, and they're going to they're going to have to own the results. Right? So,
0: yeah, it's it's their swimming ultimately. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, we're uh, on the tail end here. Yeah. Uh, just a uh, few more questions. If you uh, if you could pick, let's say, three skills or three qualities that you like, all the athletes that go through your program to have, let's say, either if they're going to swim in college or if they're just moving on and kind of setting up the next stage in life, mm. and it doesn't have to be three; it can be up to three. What What do you think those would be? What are, What are the things that you you really hope that the athletes are learning as they're going through your program?
1: You all. Are- you think life skills are just,
0: it, it's, uh, it's open-ended. open-ended? Yes. Wow. Up to you.
1: Wow. Well, <laughs> uh, shoes make the outfit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, always have, always have nice looking shoes uh, and make sure they, they complement what else you're wearing. I learned that from my mom though. That's a good first uh, yeah. one. <laughs> uh, second one would be, uh, I think, there's a good quote from uh Jules Renard, I think it's in one of the cure albums I think uh, yeah it isn't uh look for the ridiculous and everything and you'll find it I think you always have to have to search out what works for you and and question uh if if things aren't working question why they're not um I learned that with my own career you know i I learned you can do too many squats and and you know, injure yourself, and and you know, I I think a lot of kids, especially in, in our sport and triathlon, get into our sport and they think if, if I work really hard, I'm going to have a lot of success. But you you need recovery days. I think you can't you can't just grind all the time. You know, there's 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 times to re, to grind and times to refine. So, and I think um, I think the other thing is just just be honest. I, I, I think there's a lot of our sport, especially coaching, is uh, there, you have to be ethical and honest with, with, with everybody you deal with. Um, you, have to, you can't sit there and tell a kid who's 24 and the 50 free. If, if they have a goal, if they're currently 24-5 and only swimming four days a week, and in six months they want to be under 21 seconds, you have to be honest that that's not a realistic goal. Same thing with parents. You have to be honest that if if they're only swimming three days a week, they're probably not going to get an A time uh, at age 15, 16 in, in the events they're swimming. And I think uh, you have to be honest in how you deal with other coaches. Uh, I've never – I've said this to a few coaches before too. I've, I've never seen a profession um, in sports where we're all, you know, uh, where so many people are out to take each other out. You know, I think how I act re- reflects what I'm doing in, in the sport, but it also has ripple effects on what other teams in the area are going to do. And and you know, if if you're only out to build your team and you're looking to build it off off of siphoning off talent from other teams, that's that's a short term thing that's going to come back and, and haunt your club. And and if you have to learn how to develop talent, um, so you know for for the for the kids swimming in college be honest with your college coaches and 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 communicate well and and be ethical you know don't take the shortcuts you know stay out of i think supplements are a minefield i think a lot of college kids get into those and and don't realize that that those can can be damaging to your health um but yeah and i don't know avoid nickelback i mean (laughs) I think, I think that's a big one with me. If, uh, if you ever saw my post about, you know, I, I think one of the most uncreative sets in swimming is a hundred, hundreds on a hundred. So I, I compared that's it a, to the music of Nickelback. So try to be creative and interesting in what, whatever you're doing, you know, and, and make, make it engaging for those around you. Um, all right. Uh, we're,
0: uh, I guess final question uh, before I kind of go into closing thoughts, uh, what is what do you think is the most important thing people should know about you
1: (laughs) if if they don't
0: already know because i feel like you've you've been an
1: open book (laughs) yeah well uh, you can look at my twitter i guess uh i i would say you know i i try to i try to keep a balance i i i enjoy spending time with my family and i i i love the sport of swimming i want to make it better um i that was always my goal is if I was going to, if I was going to do this as as a profession, I wanted to make my team better. I wanted to make those around me better. And I wanted to, I wanted to leave a positive mark at the end of the day. So um, I think if you, if you understand where I'm coming from as a coach, uh, I want my team to be fast. I want my kid to beat your kid. I I want them to be competitive, but I want to, I want to make sure we're all doing it in an ethical way. And, and you know, in my mind, we're we're when the Olympics happens, we're all part of creating that team. You know, I was part of the central zone that helped kids get on that team. I I created fast kids to race other fast kids that that ended up making Olympic trials. Right, so, I think that's a point
0: that everybody makes. Yeah, yeah. and
1: I, I think I think when if you go to Olympic trials, you 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 kind of if you go to Olympic trials and you sit in the stands long enough, you it hits you that you. You've been around enough that you helped some of these kids. Yeah, you know, there's definitely the a ripple
0: effect. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I think, I think we need to we need to act like you know we we want to take care of each other and and be be smart about how we do it, and you know, be proactive in making our our clubs and and our, LSCs and USA Swimming better. So,
0: right. Yeah. Uh well done. Thanks again for taking the time. Thank you for the hospitality here. Uh having a great time watching your workouts going around Iowa City. Do you have any closing thoughts, anything else you'd like to uh mention? Do you have anything uh for people want to get in touch with you?
1: Uh no, I'm you know, I'm available on uh, I mean I'm Twitter. Uh you can look me up on uh Facebook or Twitter. I do have social media, but uh you, know, you can always email me at my club if you have questions. And I think uh you know, uh if you do have a chance, there's there's two good pages, uh Swim Parents Forum and the the Swim Coaches Exchange on Facebook. I think there's a lot of good information on there, good discussions on there, and some some not good discussions, <laughs> but uh I think uh no, if you ever need to get a hold of me, uh, you know, I I coach the Iowa City Eels and you can also you know use any of my social media so um no i enjoyed this and i think uh i think i think it's great if we get get more more coaches talking to each other so this is great All
0: right yeah well awesome thanks again and that was it for another episode of the swim coaching transit podcast as always thank you for listening And if you made it this far, I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy this, please, take a few seconds to give this podcast five stars or a positive review on whatever podcast player you use. And if you like to hear more shows like this, make sure you subscribe. And thanks again to Dawn for a great time in Iowa City and for agreeing to do this long-form interview. I picked up quite a few gems while listening to it again to edit it. I even got some new shoes for my outfits and will continue not to listen to Nickelback. And talking about gems, be sure to check out the show notes on my blog, swimcoachintransit.com. That's swimcoachintransit, all spelled out together in lowercase with no dashes or special characters. There you can always find links to books, online publications, other podcasts, and everything we talked about that I could link to. In the case of this interview, don't mention a ton of resources that are now linked to in the show notes so you should really check that out thanks as always to my good friend madu for the soundtrack to this podcast you can also find his instagram info on the show notes and also thanks to Zapslat for the sound effects and that's it thanks again and i hope you catch the next one